We just got so much work to do. But we've got two guys that we're going to have on today, two that want North Dakota's lone seat in United States Congress. And both of them are Republicans. Both of them are running for that job against each other. Now, we don't know if more people are going to get in this race. In fact, I suspect more are. Uh, but the longer they wait, the more ahead these guys are going to get uh, when it comes to this race. Uh, and so Tom Campbell has announced to Campbell Farms in Grafton uh, that that he is seeking the Republican endorsement for uh, that position. Now, Rick Becker can't. He can't seek the Republican endorsement. What he can get is the Republican spot on the ballot because the Republicans are mad at him. They created all these different rules, and I'll let Dr. Becker, uh, and that's what he is. He's an entrepreneur and a uh, physician out of uh, Bismarck. I'll let him explain why that is. But most importantly, let's get to why he wants the job. Dr. Becker, good to have you on News and Views. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me on. I get to ask you this one first. Why? Why are you running for the job? Well, I'm very concerned about where America's headed. I have been for a few years. I'm even more so now than I was a couple of years ago. And I'm concerned that the uh, we have sometimes what people refer to as a uniparty. There's a large segment of the Democrats, a large segment of the Republicans, and they kind of just they stay in this status quo, not really getting things done. They like to, to uh, give the appearance that they're working hard and fighting for the American people. But whenever they're in power, that nothing ever seems to get done. And uh, there are a few on each side. Uh, there are a few uh, Republicans that really are there, that, that are laser focused on doing the right thing, on trying to correct what ails America. They need a few more like themselves with the spine, the fortitude and that fighting nature to get things done. They need a few more in Congress to actually move the ball. So why would you make that difference. You're going to be a freshman congressman if you win this gig. You're going to be one of 435, and you just described uh, a lot of it there. How does how does Dr. Rick Becker make that difference? Well, just by – take a look at – on a state level. When I first came to the state legislature in 2013, already at that point as a freshman, as a total newbie to the whole legislative process uh, – simply standing for principle and articulating that principle and being consistent in the principle made me stand out, made me stand out in the state legislature, made me stand out amongst Republicans. And so when you stand out, when you are a beacon for principle and for consistency and for integrity, you, can, you have a lot more sway, I believe. And so uh, it doesn't take a huge number, it doesn't take a majority of principled people with integrity, it takes just a critical mass to influence others around them. And like I said, there are a few there already. A few more are going to make a big difference. Well, okay. So if that is, in fact, the case, uh, you're going to have to beat a Republican Party here in North Dakota that have set the rules up uh, basically because of you. They don't want you at their convention. Uh, the, the, the establishment Republicans do not want you at their convention. Uh, it, you, you might want to go ahead and explain what they did to you here, but, but why? How do, how do you then run as a Republican when these, these establishment Republicans, and you saw them all at uh, Kelly Armstrong's announcement, right? I mean, th that's, that's who they are. How do you fix that? 
so yeah, the establishment, the establishment folks have a have a, a club. This is uh, they, these are country club Republicans, and what they are not interested in is accountability. The reason that I'm on the outskirts or outside, <laughs> outside the club is because I hold them accountable. I try to hold them accountable. I try and make people aware of when they're being inconsistent. The last thing they want is for the people that they put up on pedestals. So in 2022, that was John Hoven. They don't want anyone to tarnish that image. They don't want anyone to hold them accountable. And so to avoid embarrassment of having challengers, of course, and that's, that's what this is supposed to be about, is competition, is challenging, is vetting ideas, um, but they don't want that. And so they put in a rule that says, you know, hey, listen, if you, if you run as an independent, you cannot get the endorsement at the state convention for six years. Now, what's interesting is that um, you don't need the endorsement at the convention. You just need to get 300 signatures and you get on the ballot. That's what uh, Kevin Kramer did. That's what Doug Burgum did. Uh, John Hoven, he almost lost the convention to me in 22. Had he lost the convention, he would have gone on to the primary. Um, I believe that, that that's the way things are right now. So it doesn't make a big difference. I don't need to appeal. I don't need to win over the establishment country club Republicans. What I need to do is appeal to the North Dakota voter, the North Dakota primary Republican voter, and I think I'll be able to do that. The, the one thing... I am absolutely positive of is that, well, two things. Let me do this. Number one, you surprised them at the convention. John Hoven never thought you were going to get that many votes, and you did. Uh, and then I know that you felt that you had been lied to, that that things didn't happen the way you, you felt they should have happened at that convention. That being said, the one thing I absolutely know is that these rules would not have been put in place had John Hoven gone to the primary against you, and he would have. Rick, you are spot on right about that. John Hoven would have went to the primary against you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's just a given. I mean, <laughs> there's no way he so, would have backed down. So, so, yeah, but, so you're sitting there, and you don't know who's all in this race, but you do know that Tom Campbell is in this race. And Tom Campbell's going to come on later, and I'm going to say to him, I'm going to say, Tom, what separates you from Rick Berg? What, what's the difference for those Republicans listening to news and views today who are thinking about who they should vote in the primary or who they should support or whose petition they should sign? What's the difference? So I'm going to ask you this. Uh, and I said Berg. Sorry about that, Rick. But uh, for you, Rick Becker, what's the difference between you and Tom Campbell? You know, I was looking at Tom Campbell's social feed, Twitter, primarily, I think, and uh, Facebook. And right, it, it just stands out. It's such a stark contrast. You look over the last four years, his social media and my social media, my social media is issue, 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 policy, policy, policy. It's about principle. It's about believing in things that will make life better for North Dakotans, uh, make North Dakota more prosperous. If you look at Tom's, it's photo op, photo op, photo op. It's uh, chumming it up with lobbyists, chumming it up with the elected official establishment, chumming it up with bureaucrats. So that tells the entire story, the entire story. Tom is a nice guy. There's a lot of people I vehemently disagree with politically, like yourself, Joel, who are nice guys. 
that's not what we're voting on. We're not voting on who, want, who we want to have come over for a cup of coffee. We are looking at a situation where America is in trouble. And if you believe in the principles I believe in, we need to send that type of person to Congress to get things done. Not a person who's interested in photo op, because the difference is going to be the person interested in photo ops is going to be very, very concerned and aware on how that person votes and how it's going to affect their chances for re-election. Someone like myself, who's a fighter, who believes in principle, they call me an ideologue, I say, you betcha I am. An ideologue is someone who understands, is aware, and knows that those principles are going to make America better, and they stand firm by those principles. You get someone in there, they're not going to care about whether doing the right thing hurts their chances for re-election. They will do the right thing anyway. All right. A lot of messages coming in for you, uh, questions, uh, and, and we'll get to some of those. Uh, we're, we're visiting with Dr. Rick Becker. He is a, a candidate uh, for the Republican spot on the primary in the fall for the North Dakota House. He is putting his name out there on the primary already now. We know that. Dr. Rick Becker's our guest. He's running for the Republican. Uh, well, he's looking to be that guy on the ballot in the fall for the Republicans going directly to the primary. Uh, Dr. Becker, when there's a lot of people who want to know if, in fact, you will support the Republican candidate, if whoever that one is that wins in the primary, they want to know if you're going to be a, a team member after that. Yeah. I mean, just like in the past, I, 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 I will support them, uh, being a team member. Uh, I assume that means that you're on the team that the Republican platform uh, indicates not a, a team member that's the uh, fake country club uh, rhino Republican, but I will support whoever gets the, uh, the the nod in in the primary election. Yes, I asked you before, and I, and there's always new listeners out there. Will you support the farm bill? Would you support the one that we have now as written? Well, yeah, I assume so. I haven't. I don't know how it's written exactly. Anything that comes up for the future is obviously going to look different than the one that's written now. Um, and that's an, this is such an interesting topic. And, of course, Joel, thanks to you, uh, it's always at the forefront uh, because the, our discussion on the Farm Bill was, you know, my, philosophically, I don't think the federal government should be involved with that. Uh, however it is, there are a lot of things I think the federal government shouldn't be involved with, and they are. So talking about how things ought to be philosophically is different than dealing with them now. John Hoven took that and ran and said, I'm anti-farmer. I hate farmers. I want to rip away their, uh, the, the security net that they have. None of that is true. So when a farm bill comes through, what I'm going to be looking for is efficiencies, uh, doing any kind of streamlining we can, doing anything that will uh, overall improve it for the farmer. Uh, I mean, the way it's written now, there are drawbacks. There are, there are farmers that definitely uh, get disadvantaged. They have comparative disadvantage. Uh, it's, the Farm Bill is certainly responsible for some of the inflationary costs of land, of machinery, of making it harder for new farmers to get into the game. So there are things we can do to make it better. So if, when a Farm Bill comes through, if it has some of these, these things that I would want for any spending to have, which, are, which is streamlining, increasing efficiencies, and decreasing waste and abuse, of course I'm going to sign it. You bet. Do, do you think that the federal government should be involved in crop insurance? 
Well, no, they shouldn't. They never should have, but they are now, and so they're going to be for the foreseeable future. So I, I don't think the federal government should have been involved in Social Security or Medic. I don't think it, the government should be in, should have been involved with education. There are so many of these things we say philosophically. What I like to, what I prefer to talk about, so that it can't be uh, twisted and used against me, is where are things now? Uh, so where things are now are clearly that the 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 farmer understands where things are at with the farm bill, with crop insurance. And we can't just philosophically say, yeah, we want to do away with it and rip it out. But we can look for improvement. So had you been around when Social Security was being proposed and put in place, had you been around when when Medicare was being proposed and put in place, would you have voted for them? Well, what I would have looked for is is to uh, improve upon what they did because, I mean, if you take a look at things, it would have been predictable. I can imagine myself being in Congress at that time saying, wait a minute, uh, you're saying this is going to be the cost and you're not recognizing that this is going to have a huge inflationary component. Uh, The administrative costs are going to be huge. You're not dealing with reality when it comes to the Social Security. I mean, not allowing people to have a private option uh, is going to be problem problematic and allowing the government to spend money that comes in and and rely on future generations then to pay the benefits to those that had already paid in turns it into a ponzi scheme so there are many aspects i'm sure i would have voted against but again that is different philosophically because we are decades and decades past that so now we have to talk about where we're at right now Okay, so I understand it, but let's use let's use the number one hundred and eighty, for example, just to to frame the question. Okay, for for people like myself who make the the income that I make, I will max out on my contribution to Social Security, right? I mean, I will I will have to pay a certain percentage the whole way through. Is probably a better way of putting it. Uh, for people possibly like yourself and others, though. Uh, with a, with a lot of means, you reach a certain cap on Social Security and you don't have to pay anymore. Uh, you know, we talk about private option, we talk about this or that, and yet it isn't done by the percentage of your income unless unless you make the kind of money I make. And so I guess what I'm asking is when you say there isn't a private option, in fact, don't you have all that money that you get a chance to take? It isn't a, a retirement account, it's a safety net. I mean, you would agree on that. Well, it, it, it's both. I mean, it, the way it was set up is not just a safety net, a redistributive safety net. It was a way that the government said, look, we're going to make sure that you're taken care of in your retirement. We're going to force you uh, to put money uh, at, into this account, and then this money will be available to you when you retire. And then there is a redistributive component for those at the very lowest end. So it truly is a safety net for them. Um, and then the, the, those that are more wealthy and go beyond the, the amount, sure, then what they can do what they want with that money. My point though, is of the money. So for instance, you're saying someone who makes your salary, then if you would have had the opportunity to do what you wanted with that money that you were forced to put into the government, uh, Social Security account, you would have made a lot more, and you would have had a much bigger package for your retirement. Yeah, th- they didn't. And, give and you we that can option. debate that. I mean, 
2007 proved all of that to be somewhat wrong. But we'll let you want to debate some more. Let's do it when we come back. Okay. All right. You bet, Dr. Rick Becker, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Rick Becker's our guest. He's running for Congress for the state of North Dakota. We're talking about philosophy. We're talking about policy. We're talking about what it would take uh, to to have him win, to put him in a position where he could win. Uh, Dr. Becker, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, when you when you go out there to the people in North Dakota, what what are you going to do in your campaign that's going to make it single out? Make it. I think there's more people going to get in this race than than just Tom Campbell. I mean. What what are you going to do to make people know you're the one? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there probably will be more. I recall it might have been 2012 when at, at the convention, at least. I think there were at least six, um, and so there will be more, which is great. You know, I welcome I welcome more. I I think I, I'm always in favor of the North, people of North Dakota having options, having choices, being able to vet different candidates. What I'm going to do is continue to do what I've been doing in the past. Uh, as far as uh, proclaiming uh, these these principles of conservatism and how they affect North Dakotans and how they're needed in America, I'll be going around town to town. We'll be doing as much outreach as we can so that the voters can hear our message. It's not so much I want to try to convince the voter to to vote for me. I want to have the voter hear what I stand for. And then they can decide for themselves. And I'm quite confident that if we can do that, that a majority will vote for me. So and then just I, w- I just want to redirect a little bit our last conversation. You know, sometimes, uh, especially when I get on the air with you, Joel, we start talking about a little more philosophical things and what I might have done if I was in Congress in 1935 with Social Security. But I want your listeners to know that that somehow trying to attack uh, Social Security or the farm bill. That's not that's not what my campaign is about. They're interesting topics, and at some point, you know, yes, we need to have discussions. We need to see if we can have efficiencies. But my my what I'm about is stopping the deficit spending, securing the border, holding bureaucrats accountable, uh, trying to stop the weaponization of various uh, executive uh, branch agencies, reestablishing uh, uh, America First, meaning stopping all of the crazy foreign aid that's going to our adversaries, stop going into these endless wars. I mean, there are so many things that I want to focus on, and um, some of these other programs really are not the most important things to try and uh, um, tinker with. Okay, so because this is still very fresh, uh, and I think it defines to some degree what type of congressman you would be, would you have voted to certify uh, that Joe Biden was president of the United States. Yeah, that's a, I, that's a very reasonable question. Uh, I, I, you've asked me that before, and my answer is this. I would have voted, I, I think this is what Ted Cruz was advocating for, because the House has an obligation to certify. They don't have the ability to pick and choose the slate of electors. Um, but because there were some significant uh, lawsuits in front of the Supreme Court, and because the Supreme Court was going to announce what they were going to do within hours or days, I would have delayed the vote on certification until we heard from the Supreme Court. I can't imagine what it would be like if the House would have would have validated the electors, and the next day the Supreme Court says, 
oh, hey, wait a minute, Pennsylvania's electors are no good, actually, then what do you do? But, so Rick, Rick the, i got to challenge you on that. The Supreme, sure. the, the Supreme Court rejected those appeals. The Supreme Court, that over 90, or I think it was 63 rulings by the courts in this country, found everything to be said was false, that we were going to move forward. I mean, I don't know what more yeah. needed to be done legally. I think that when no, people no, say, no, I, wait a second, when people say yeah. that, it's like it justifies this whole notion that in some way this election was stolen. The court itself ruled that, you know what, we're going forward. That The, the strategy of delaying that Ted Cruz had, that quite frankly, uh, Kevin Kramer and, and the, the argument was made by Drew Wrigley as well, that that, that delaying was all about putting the, the, the legislatures across the country in a position where they would not send those electors to the Electoral College. They would then handpick them, which, of course, you and I both know uh, the vast majority of legislatures are Republican. And so th it, th that was the reason for the Cruz strategy. No, you're, but you're not, you're not making the argument against me. What I said was there were some lawsuits in front of the Supreme Court. You indicated that, well, no, the Supreme Court uh, uh, wouldn't hear those. Correct. But some of those cases, they didn't say that until a couple of days after uh, the, the electors were chosen. So what I'm saying is, yes, when the Supreme Court, which was right on a very tight timeline to what you're talking about, when they said, yes, we're not hearing those cases, at that point, clearly, I would have said, yes, we we need to uh, we need to approve this. How how would you work with John Hoven if you win this seat? You you and John have such major political differences. There's hard feelings. John had a hand in making sure that the the rules were written so that you couldn't come back to the convention. I mean, how would you work as a team if you were in fact to win this seat? Well, I would work with John Hoven like I would work with any other uh, senator. Uh, because you come from the same, he I mean he's in a different chamber. Uh, he stands for a lot of different things than I do. Um, I, 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 where, wherever there is an opportunity to further a bill, to further something that makes America better, I'll work with any senator, John Hoven, a Democrat. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'll work with anyone in the House. Okay. On the other hand, if there's something that doesn't further that principle. Then, I'm, then I will not work with that. So there's nothing in my mind. I don't know the idea that you go in as a team. I'm going in to do the right thing. I'm going in as the lone congressman for North Dakota. I want to I want to find out because this is something that you'd have to vote on uh, if, in fact, your caucus would would take it up. Uh, I want you to hear this quote, and the quote is from Senator James Lankford on Fox News this weekend. It would be absolutely absurd for me to agree to 5,000 people a day. This bill focuses on getting us to zero illegal crossings a day. There's no amnesty. It increases the number of Border Patrol agents. It increases asylum officers. It increases detention beds so we can quickly detain and then deport individuals. It ends catch and release. It focuses on additional deportation flights out. It changes our asylum process so that people get a fast asylum screening at a higher standard and then get returned back to their home country. This is not about letting 5,000 people in a day. This is the most misunderstood section of this proposal. Let me tell you briefly what it is. 
uh, the, in the last four months, we've had seven days. In four months, we've had seven days uh, that we had less than 5,000 people. This is set up for if you have a rush of people coming at the border, the border closes down, no one gets in. It is a shutdown of the border and everyone actually gets turned around. Okay. That's the focus that we have right now is how do we actually intervene in this administration and turn people around, not let people in. Now, you're a student of politics just like I am, uh, Dr. Berg. James Lankford is one of the Becker. most— or Becker, sorry. I'm sorry about that, but I, I just—I'm sitting there, and I've got Rick still on my Won't mind from it. the old days. Anyway, yep. you, you've got—James Lankford is one of those individuals that is the most conservative member of the Senate you could possibly get, Okay. He says that. He's worked on this. The, the liberal Democrats hate this border bill. They absolutely hate it. And, and because they don't come out as winners on people getting asylum, on the numbering, on the zero. I mean, basically, this does what the Republicans have wanted it to do for a long time. Dr. Becker, I'm going to ask you, would you vote yes on this bill? And do you think if you were a member of the House caucus, you would want this up in front of you so you could vote on it? If I was a member of the House caucus, I would absolutely want it up in front of me so I could vote on it. Here's the problem, Joel. Um, the way you've positioned it is that, gosh, there's this super conservative guy that wants it and Democrats hate it. Um, so would you vote for it? And what's really interesting is nobody knows what's in it. That's not true. It hasn't been. That, that, it hasn't been released. That's not true. It has true. not been released. He took to the when airways yesterday. Well, it, it's the House leadership has it. The the Republican and Kevin Kramer has come out in favor. It Lankford and you can say Republican, you know, as though it's just one. The, these guys are, have negotiated behind the deal on it, and and your caucus, the one you would be a member of, is saying it's already dead on arrival. And the reason, even some of them. Uh, some of them have come out and said the reason they would not vote for it is because they don't want the border issue dealt with uh, going into the election. Joel, like you said, I understand politics. I think I play the game very well. Uh, Kevin Kramer, that you just mentioned, was on the air talking about it. In On that interview, said he has not read the bill. Nobody, very, very, very few people, a select few, have read the bill. The Speaker of the House, has seen the bill. Nobody else has seen the bill. So you're asking about wh what I would vote on when no one even knows what's in the bill. So that, I'm that, highly suspicious that, that, that a bill is going to come out that Democrats are going to support that's allegedly so bad for Democrats. From what I've heard, what's been leaked out, there would, it would still be allowed over 2 million illegals coming across the border every year. That doesn't sound good, but I can't tell you whether even, I'd vote on it because the establishment the uniparty establishment has not released it for people to see. Even, so we're even, purely hold speculating on, hold on, on news clips. Even, even Ted Cruz has said uh, of a number far less than two million. Uh, but Langsford and others, uh, Langford and others who have worked out on this deal, said the goal is to get to zero. I mean, the goal is. I guess I'll ask it this way, Doctor Becker. Let me ask it this way: Would you? Place legislation on the shelf based on an election in the fall. No, there. never. That's that's what I was waiting to hear you answer. So I, I did a bad job asking the question in the beginning, but that's out there and it's happening by the caucus that you would be joining. Agreed? 
No, I, that's the way it's being spun. I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm not aware that it actually is happening that way. Um, what I heard is Trump uh, said that it's better to not pass a bill than pass a bad bill. I think that's frequently true, but I would have to know what the bill is. But if, Joel, yes, if my caucus said, you know what, it's going to look better, because I know what you're alleging here. We're going to not pass anything, so it looks good when Trump gets in office, and then we'll pass it, and he's going to be the hero. I would never do that in a million years. Okay. Uh, all right. I asked you the tough questions. Uh, I want to make sure you get an opportunity to tell people how to get in touch with you, tell people how to know more about you, and get in the last word on this conversation. Go ahead. Thanks, Joel. Yep. Uh, I encourage people to go to rickbecker2024.com. You can take a look at the website there. Uh, get active, uh, participate in what's going on with this primary coming up. There's a lot at stake. Uh, America is at a crossroad. There is no doubt. The one thing that we all know is that the status quo establishment type of politician is not going to drive America into the right direction. We need fighters. We need principled people to get in there and fight. I'm one of those very few people. Be safe out there in the campaign trail. There's a lot of traveling, a lot of meeting, a lot of everything. Be safe out there. Hope to visit with you again soon. Thanks, Joel. You bet.